0: Oh, look at that stretch. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi <laughs> wabarakatuh. Welcome back to The Realist Podcast in the dunya, The Three Muslims. We're joined here with a very special guest. Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing?
1: Wa alaikum. <laughs> Assalamu So your Muslim
0: name is Ferdos, and then your and I know your old name was Harold, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so what do you prefer we call you? Thirdos. It's great. Thirdos is great? It's it's great. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So a lot of our viewers might be familiar with you that saw your revert story.
1: But for those that aren't, tell us
0: a little bit about your story.
1: Oh, how should I begin? Um, Okay, maybe I was born a Catholic, baptized when I was a baby. I went to church every Sunday. I joined a band before. I used to play music with the band. Um, Church goer most of the time until about like uh, 18 to 20 years old. That was when I started to serve the army in Singapore. We have to, it's a national service, so all of us have to go to the army. Um, and then I came back and I needed to go travel overseas to pursue my degree. That's when I went to Australia and started to study about philosophy and questioned a lot about the meaning of life, why we're here, um, if, if reality is real or something like that. <laughs> So um, And then I started to look deeper into my past faith and discovered that Christianity wasn't something that I really believe in because I started to doubt the divinity of Jesus. And um, from then on, I became more like an atheist, partying every day. Um, I had this idea that if I'm happy, I could make everyone else around me happy. That's perfect. You can live a happy life. And uh, so I started to live like a YOLO kind of life, uh, a day at a time, Uh, look forward to the weekends kind of thing. Um, And it was not until my parents gave me a call and I was in school one day and said that my grandma passed away. And that was when I thought, who is in control of death? Because, you know, um, as much as we want to be happy and to make people around us happy, um, death is something that is an unhappy event and you can't control it and that got me thinking that there has to be a higher power out there someone in control of death at least Um, so I started to ponder hard and thought that there's probably a supreme being in control of that uh, aspect of life and that was when I I became agnostic but I didn't want a religion to tell me who God was because I always had this idea that it was a man-made thing um, maybe because what I studied in school, you know, how they got us to understand that, you know, all these are human constructs. We need something to believe in so that we feel safe. Um, but then again, the idea of, you know, no God is also not logical because, you know, who can control death? So I was agnostic, but I didn't want a religion. Um and then i came back to singapore that was after i graduated from school and when i came back i started my job at, in the bank um, And that's where i met uh, a lady who is a muslim and she, she we started to you know have a friendship going on and feelings were starting to develop and uh, i told her up front that we won't we won't be together because you're a muslim and i i'm a yolo kind of person <laughs> So it's like two different visions in life, different aspects, right? So how are we going to be together? And she said, why don't you give Islam a chance? Go find out about it. And I said, sure. I mean, I'm open-minded enough to, to give it a shot, but I'm going to ask the religious teacher all my questions. And if he can't answer them, or if I find that it's not logical, I'll just you know back away. I will not believe in this religion. And she said, fine, go ahead, ask all your questions. So she directed me to the Convert Centre in Singapore. And that's when I, I went to the Introduction to Islam course. Um, it was very basic, um, like the belief of one God and who is Allah or something like that. So I started writing writing down my questions and I had three questions for the teacher. And I asked him, the first question was, mm. why do you say there's only one God? Why why isn't there two or three or four Uh, Why do you believe in just one God? And he said, well, it's very, very simple. You know, he gave me this analogy that if there was a God that made the human head and a God that made the human hands and a God that made the human legs, which God would say that, you know, he is good enough to make the human body complete and perfect. And the God that created the head would say, I'm much better because I gave human ideas and thoughts and intelligence Maybe the God of the hands would say, I'm better because I feed the man. Uh, or the God of the human legs would say, I'm better because, you know, I take him to distant places. Um, so there has to be a central point where, you know, a God that's all-powerful, create that created the human being in its perfect form. And uh, that made me think a lot, but it wasn't convincing enough. So he went on to say that, what about... Computers, look at them, you know, you have a monitor, you have a mouse, you have a keyboard, um, but you still need a central power source to, to light it all up, to start the computer. And That, that gave me uh, a glimpse into the idea of Tawheed, the belief in one God in Islam. And I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, all the polytheistic religion suddenly just didn't make any sense to me. If, if they believe in like three or four gods, it just wouldn't make any logical sense so we came to a point of uh, having just three religions that believe in one god which is uh, judaism christianity and islam and so i asked him the next question uh, why do not you say jesus is god or buddha is god or anyone else is god why do muslims call allah uh, the god of all and he said um, from a christian perspective if you believe that jesus is god um, the definition of divinity in dictionary would mean that you know someone who cannot die, and uh, if Jesus was immortal, uh, how is he able to die die on a cross? If for Christians you believe that he died on the cross, um, and then I thought, well, he rose third day, right? <laughs> then he said, but you see, um, then it would not be a complete sacrifice because um, for for a sacrifice to be Accurate, you know, you will lose it forever. And then that, that would be a proper sacrifice. And otherwise, you know, as Christians, we you know, as Christians, we believe that if um, for the sake of forgiving all our sins, uh, Jesus died on the cross and his blood kind of washes all of your sins from the past and forgives you. And God forgives you through that act of sacrifice. So there's a need for a sacrifice to happen. Otherwise, you know, there's no forgiveness. And uh, so that that again brought in the next question. He asked me, would a God be more merciful if he needs, you, he needs to sacrifice an innocent man who is the son, right? In order to forgive someone's sin. Or would you say a God is more merciful if he just forgives you when you ask for forgiveness? So that question alone made so much sense. Like, you know, you can just go up to your parents and say you're sorry for something, but why can't God do the same? Like, why can't you just go up to God and say, I'm sorry for whatever I've done wrong? Why do you need a sacrifice? You know. So Christianity was written off <laughs> from, from my my question. And then Buddhism. So I asked him about Buddha. And he said, Buddhist is a way of life, um, but... The issue with Buddhism is they do not have uh, communication with God. They do not believe in a God. And so a follower of Buddhism uh, knows how to lead a good life without a guiding force, without someone to connect to, um, a supreme being like God, to, to ask you know, for even your forgiveness, to ask for guidance. You don't have someone to communicate with. And that's what's lacking Buddhism. So that, again, made sense to me. Um so I asked, so what do Muslims believe in? so who who do Muslims believe? And he said, Allah, we believe in one true God, the God, the creator of all things. Um, he's cannot be compared to anything and basically he's not give, he's not born or he's not he doesn't give birth to. So he he basically translated Surah ikhlas um, in English to me, which is the simplest way to explain uh, who God is to the Muslims. And that sounded like something I have always believed in. Like you always believe there's a superpower, a supreme being out there who created all things, and that made a lot of sense. And also because when I studied philosophy, you know, we had this notion, this this discourse about uh, if people could see God, um, how is it possible when we have five limited senses? For example, you know, your eyes have Uh, limited range, you can see, uh, hearing as well, taste buds as well. Um, So with all that limitations, how are we able to define what is real? How are we able to define uh, divinity? How do we find God with just our limited senses? The universe is something that is so vast and big, and you can't use a ruler to measure the universe. But what we are trying to do is measure the power of God with our five senses. And that alone kind of waked me up even more <laughs> because I thought like, yeah, that makes a sense. You know, Jesus couldn't be God because he's, he's a man, right? And you can see everything about him. And God is way more powerful than that. He's the creator, right? So um, so I, I had uh, started to believe in Islam, but... I didn't want to immediately jump into the religion because I know that there are a lot of you know things that you have to do like uh, fasting during the month of Ramadan, uh, if possible, you know perform your hajj and you have to eat halal food and pray five times a day. So those were the conditions that you know Islam has set out to to guide people. But at a point in time, I wasn't sure if I was able to take all that. So I tried one step at a time. Like for example, I would stop eating pork and then stop. Uh, eating food that are not halal, and slowly, slowly, I you know even quit drinking, so, and and then afterwards, when just nice, you know, Ramadan came, and I said, okay, it's about time, it's about time I should give this a shot because you know if I can fast for the whole month of Ramadan, then I think I can live a Muslim life, <laughs> and and you know it's about time also to let my girlfriend then know you know if this religion is something I really want to follow. Uh, and not waste her time. So I I fasted during the month of Ramadan, and alhamdulillah, um, after 30 days, I've managed to do the complete fast. Um, and uh, somewhere near the end of Ramadan, that's when I had a dream. And I woke up one morning, and uh, b- before that, uh, the dream was, I was uh, basically walking down a hallway to a man sitting uh, at at a couch, And he was just smiling at me. So he has this really warm and friendly presence towards him. So I walked towards him and he asked me a question. He just looked at me and smiled and said, "Um, brother, when are you going to be part of the family? And the moment I woke up. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. I mean, probably I have been reading too much Islam. (laughs) Maybe I started to dream Islam. (laughs) So... um, I didn't think much about it. Uh, same day, my friend called me out for for dinner and he's a Muslim. So he said, hey, his name is Ibrahim. So it's, it's quite amazing, like Abraham, Ibrahim. <laughs> so he's like saying, uh, hey, brother. So I saw you've been going to the Convert Center. Are you thinking of becoming a Muslim? I said, "Wow, that's a coincidence. I just had a dream just a few hours ago and this guy is asking me the same question. So I thought, okay, maybe this is still a coincidence. I went home that night, and uh, so happened the dream uh, happened again. And this time, I, I woke up. It's a Saturday morning. I sat on my bed, um, and then I I decided to say a short prayer. I said, "Dear God, you know, I believe in you. I believe you're, you're powerful. Um, I'm just a lost soul, you know. I'm I need guidance right now, and I seek your help to to show me the way. And um, I think I'm tired of." you know, this confusion, please help me. Um, I'm going to flip the Bible and the Quran randomly three times and whichever verse that my eyes set upon, I will just, um, uh, I would hope that it's a clear message from you saying that this is the truth, this is the way and just follow me or something like that. Um, and so I said, okay, I'll start with the Bible since I was first a Catholic, I was first baptized one. So I took the Bible and uh, close my eyes, and I just randomly flip open a page, and I was I can't remember the verse or the, the page, but it wasn't clear. The thing about the Bible is it's made of a lot of testimonies and stories, so you know you can't just take a part and just kind of make sense out of it. Or uh, you can have like ten or twenty different interpretations of the same verse, probably, and you can make it out to be whatever you want sometimes. So. I tried three times. It wasn't very clear. It was like halfway through a story. You probably need to read the whole story to understand that particular verse that I read. So, um, like I said, I can't remember which verse, so I can't quote it right now. So, three three times I tried and it did not sink into my heart. So, I just uh, decided to tr- give the Quran a shot, the next one. So, that's when I, I said, okay, put the Bible down. It's time for the Quran. <laughs> Took out the Quran, it's an English translation of the Quran. Um, I closed my eyes and I opened and the first thing I saw was in Surah Al Hajj, there's uh, chapter 22, verse 54. No, 54, and it it goes like, uh, do you, do you want me to, to recite it? Oh, yeah, bro, go ahead, yeah. go for it, Bismillah. <inaudible> Bismilla, Hiromani Rohim Walia Elamadina, O Tul Ilma and Hul Hakumiro Bika Fayu Minu, Behi Fatuk, Bitalahu, Kulu, Bohom, or in Allah Halahadi Ladina, Amenu, Ilasirotim, Mustakim. And I've given knowledge to those. Uh, I mean, I can't remember the English one, but I know in general what it means. It says that, you know, I've given knowledge to those who who seek it, and isn't it obvious enough that this is the truth from your Lord, and and for those who believe in it, their hearts humbly submit to it, something like that. So, um, I I thought, okay, maybe this is your coincidence. I was still in denial, you know, and uh, I closed the book again and said, okay, this is the second try. And I closed my eyes, and again, I flipped open a, a new page. And I was brought to Surah Fusilat, chapter 41, verse 53. And it goes, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> Sanurihim ayatina fil afaqi wa fi anfusihim hatta yatabayana lahum anahu alhaq. يَخْفِ بِرَبِّكَ أَنَّهُ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ شَهِيدٍ And Allah says that, you know, I've shown you the signs in the horizons and all around the world. And these two question that, you know, I am your Lord. Am I not a witness enough for you that this is the truth? So it's like he was even answering... He was continuing the question of, you know, does he exist in the next verse, although it's from a different part of the Quran. And immediately my heart was like trembling in awe, you know, that like as if I was really having conversation with God at this point of time. I, I I humbled myself. I, I I kind of like have tears in my eyes, and I said, "Thank you for answering my prayers," and you know, I'm sorry for putting you to the test i I've now that I've declared to you that I'll follow you know follow you based on this test right um there's nothing that's gonna pull me back and from that day forward I said I submit to you with all my heart and I believe in islam so i i I gave the convert center a call I said uh, how do I become muslim and and then they they brought me in to to take my shahada so that's that's the reverse story and and of course I told my my uh, girlfriend then I said um, I got something good to tell you <laughs> that I've decided to be a Muslim and she 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 was so happy and she said you know how many nights of tahajuds I did just to ask Allah to guide you to to the path and um, I mean she's she's such an angel that you know we we got married and so that's how we have our now we have our child The son and that's that's. They love ending. I was saying, the love story of it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So that's the story. Yeah. You, you Mashallah. Got
2: tears in my eyes. MashaAllah. Nah. You got tears in my eyes. And that, that was beautiful, the recitations, by the way. Yeah. MashaAllah.
0: Yeah, Mashallah. yeah you... Mashallah, Bro, I wanted to say something, uh, for those real quick, that maybe, like, I could relate to you on a personal level on this, and a lot of our viewers might as well, <laughs> that when you talk about how, at the end, Allah give you that perfect, you know, that, you know, when you watch movies and, you know, they talk about this beautiful ending to the story, right? Yeah. That SubhanAllah, Allah granted us like the perfect ending that it could have been. You know what I mean? Like Allah could have give, like, taken one thing away from us or been like, you know what? You were doing this or you were doing that or, you know, I'll take this away from you and humble you. But Allah really could have done that but chose to give us that perfect forever after type ending, you know? So I'm eternally grateful for that. And I know you are too.
1: Yes. Thank you, brother. Yeah.
3: Masha'Allah. MashaAllah. I can relate to the uh the part where you read the Quran and you felt like Allah is talking to you. You're discussing with Allah. I feel like yeah. that masha, that feeling, you get like the shivers down your spine. You feel that, that that void that was in your heart is now filled, and you're like, the one who made me, the one who created me, the one who owns everything, the one who if I just say, you know, to upon him, I, I, I rely on. If I just say that, then He'll take care of everything. This is the person, or not the person, but this is the, you know, the existence. This is Allah who I'm now speaking to, Subhanallah. It's such a beautiful feeling that that arises in the heart, and I I, I felt that again when you were telling your story, because I'm just like Subhanallah, like that is guidance. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala upon a person asking for guidance would never misguide them, never leave them astray. And Subhanallah, may Allah bless you, bro, because that story was. Like my, my tears aren't crying My, my eyes aren't crying Like unhealed But my heart is 100% yeah, MashaAllah you, you
2: were reciting yeah. and,
3: and I felt like,
2: like I don't know if it, was, it was pure bro Like, like I, I, I literally started feeling like Tune up I was like no 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 But you, you 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 doing a podcast Shut up bro Shut up. <laughs> 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 well, love
0: those, that, was, you, bro. that was so good man and uh, so my next question to you is do you know how a lot of people say that uh if you sincerely cry out to allah to guide me uh allah will guide you know how everyone says that's true now there's a lot of atheists that are saying uh, or they they claim to say that i do cry out to god i do try to reach out to god and i don't get anything i don't get guidance so God doesn't exist. Does he hate me? Does he not like me? Does he not want to guide me? So do you think the issue with them is that they really haven't fully
1: cried out? Mm. I think there's a couple of issues there. Uh, one, yeah, I believe in sincere and humble submission. Like you need to really want the truth so badly that you give up everything for it kind of thing um secondly you need to ask with an earnest heart um and pray in in sense like it's your last day and you really want him to show you because you know he doesn't need to show you because he can say look around you (laughs) and that is my creations and you will know who i am right but you are forcing him sort of like you're putting him in a spot to show you something that's that's the other thing um thirdly i think because i've went through fasting kind of like i think physically i've prepared to let anything happen sort of so i think maybe that kind of prepared me for this um and so that's that's the three things uh, next is i think the 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 perspective of how we want something to happen you know in 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 human terms we we need you know, maybe a, a volcano to erupt, then you say, oh, there's a God or something, <laughs> or thunder and lightning, right? Um, but you see, we are, again, relying so heavily on our five senses, and yet they have, we have people that can't see in their whole life and believe in God, or who can cannot hear anything, who are lack, lacking one of these five senses, and they believe in God. Um, so they have no one to influence them who God is. Like, for example, you have a deaf person who has never heard an imam talk to him or her about God, but they believe in God. So that that alone shows you a lot about, you know, how narrow-minded a person is, not open enough to accept that there is a creator of all things. And, you know, you, you can't argue with um, how can the universe come about if it starts from zero, right? <laughs> zero can't create one. <laughs> yeah, so that, that alone has logic logical flaws if you believe that things can just happen without god yeah, yeah. but it, it reminds sense. me of
2: uh <laughs> it didn't it made sense it made perfect sense it reminded me of uh the conversation i was having with my grandpa yesterday and um you know we were, we were actually debating about because he, he's he's proper christian and he was like asking me like why am i muslim like why do i read the quran but um Aside from that, once we found common grounds, he was saying that uh, people don't really experience God or or they don't don't experience that guidance until all they have is nothing but God. Mm -hmm. Where it's like everything is stripped away. And it's like, once you give up everything, that's when God like truly guides you because that's when you are truly sincere, when you have nothing left. And it's like a lot of people might misinterpret that and say like, oh, do I have to give up my house? Do I have to give up my relationships? Do I have to give up my job? And it's like, no, but for that time being, you have to fully submit and like give up everything in your mind, stop being so damn attached to things to be able to sincerely come to the creator for that guidance. So Alhamdulillah, bro.
1: Well said, Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah,
2: yeah man. <laughs> yeah yeah oh, so how old are you again uh 34 <laughs> 34 yeah okay see i was thinking you were like in your 20s bro Bro, you look good for 34 yeah. mashallah man. yeah, yeah 30, you look 30, good
0: yeah. mashallah, brother.
2: mashallah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah so, so a lot of people are watching and they don't know that you know you're married you have a kid too so uh right. tell me some lessons that you've learned as a father now um from before when you didn't
1: have any kids yeah. So, um, even after reversion, Allah still puts us to the test. And as a father, I know there are certain things that I recognize as a test from God. For example, um, you know, when you spend more time with your work instead of spending more time with your family, sometimes you see in your eyes, the, the, your, the, the child's eyes, you know, when they look at you and say, you know, as though they are saying, you're not home, you haven't seen for some time. Uh, could you be here more with me? So he started to cry. So, so when babies cry, sometimes we think, you know, they're being uh, misbehaving. Some of us might think that way. But actually, it's an indication to you as a parent that you've been missing out in the person's life. And, and I think um, I take a lesson from that. Like I should spend more time with my children, uh, my child, and um, to really know how to balance between what's in the dunya. What's in the ahira and what have you know? Allah has blessed you with. You should not take them for granted. So you know, sometimes my wife would tell me you should remember this and this. This kind of wakes me up again. So even as a revert, we are always, you know, put ourselves in a, in a position to be reawakened over and over again. Because when you're reawakened, you know that Allah is, he loves you, right? He puts you to the test. That's why. He, that's why he he puts you to the test. Yeah
2: so how has it been like now that you have a kid like because is it what you expected or is it something completely different
1: Mm. i always go with the flow (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was like um okay i we we were prepared to have kids it wasn't something like we 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 we, it was an accident something Mm -hmm. like that we really wanted to have a kid um we we prayed and asked for for blessings from Allah. Um I would say that now when I look at my kid's eye and I look at the situation of our current, you know, world and that what scares me is his future, of course. And uh, I mean I was a rebellious child when I was young. Um I could have just listened to my parents and you know stay a Christian. <laughs> or or you know, just tell the girl that, or just, you know, tell myself I can meet another goal. Why, why would I need to go through the whole process of finding Islam <laughs> and all that? Um I guess somehow a part of me really wanted to know the meaning of life and and truth and all that. So when I see my 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 child in the future, I'm worried about. You know whether he get influenced by friends or something, or you know, or music or something that you know takes him far away from Islam. So I do whatever I can to 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 you know build bridges for him to God. And what I mean is, you know, a wise man once told me that you know the role of a father is not so much as um, someone who just educates or. Or just call the, your son if he's not he's misbehaving or something. But the role of a father is more uh, like a person who you know builds a lot of bridges or lays the ropes that brings the person back home to Allah. Um, so in the event of your death or in the event you know um, you he gets lost, at least your child can remember these ropes that you lay for him and, and return home. And because you can't control his destiny when he reaches puberty or, you know, 18 or 20 years old, he will have his own mind, he will have his own friends, and he'll go through a whole a whole phase of his own. So all you can do is now establish the ropes as much as you can, guide him as much as you can, and uh, inshallah, he will still be guided even the hereafter, to the hereafter. Yeah. So that what I do is I, I do videos. There's the whole reason why I started my whole YouTube channel was mainly to you know put this information out there, this knowledge I, I gathered over the years online. So it's like a digital library of information. And if if one day should I, you know, untimely death or anything, he still have these places to go to to find information. So that's what I do. And that's what I, I take from being a dad to think of the future for my children. <laughs> yeah.
2: Mashallah.
1: Did I get, answer your question? Sometimes I get... Yeah, no, you, it. Answered it, you
2: answered it. You answered it.
1: Mashallah,
0: mashallah. So I saw one video saying Catholic dad reacts to my reversion oh, from yeah. you. I didn't watch it though because I, uh, I think I was so excited with your revert video that i was just sending it to people uh but for me and a lot of people that haven't seen that video tell me how your parents reacted okay and and before that you yeah. i don't think you you told us if you did i probably forgot when did you revert oh
1: 2014 and november the second so that's okay. about seven over years ago yeah um my dad he's a very strong uh believer and Catholicism, yeah, Catholic believer. Um, I know in his heart he really wants me to come back to being to be a Christian, um, but I I know where I I want what I want. Um, but I love him dearly and my mom dearly. So when I do the video, I of course I told them you know the purpose of the video is to be candid, to be free, to be you know share ideas and thoughts and be comfortable with it. Um, and most importantly, know that I love you as a son, and uh, I would like to you know hear, hear what you have your thoughts about me being a Muslim. So that's how I started making the video. Um, and my dad was uh, sharing his thoughts about it, and I, tr- I use it as a way to also, you know, get him to understand more about Islam. And in the video, uh, I just mainly asking some basic questions, like you know, don't you know that? We are from the Abrahamic faith. Uh, We are all children of Abraham. Abraham. Ibrahim. And do you know that even if you don't know this, like Christianity is actually a Middle Eastern religion because it started in the Middle East, right? But everyone has this idea that it looks like a European thing. uh, and, And that itself kind of blocks you from, you know, looking at it from a holistic way. Uh, and you start to s- separate Arabs as, you know, they're just all Muslims, right? <clears throat> and Jews are Jews, right? And Christians are Europeans, but not true because Jesus is a Palestinian, right? <laughs> so, so now you start to see it in that way. You start to see that actually we all are Middle East. We all believe in a Middle Eastern religion, right? It came from the Middle East. And um, and that, I hope, can break some barriers to see that we are still united in, in, in faith in the sense that, believe in one God in his perspective he thinks you know the Trinity is one God. Um but of course I try to make sense out of that and never and we'll try to be disrespectful in any way. So the video just covers those areas of, of his thoughts. Yeah. Inshallah. And what about your mother? My mom my mom is more um because she she's she's not um, a Christian or anything She's she's been a free thinker for the longest time <laughs> but uh, she just followed customs and traditions which um, her parents taught her when she was young so she always thought that it was the guiding light because you're following your parents for many years and suddenly someone is telling you that you know what your parents are doing is not right it's, you know is not necessary and stuff so she she also couldn't um, she couldn't see why Islam is the way. But she doesn't what she doesn't know is what she already believes in is very Islamic. Like <laughs> she believes in in the existence of a God, a creator, a one God. She believes that, you know, when we pray, we are communicating with God, and that's why it's necessary to pray as often as we can, that you should pray um, during the day uh, before you go to work to thank God, you know and to ask for protection, and then you should also pray at least before you sleep, because that's when you thank God for all the things he blessed you, so even for five daily prayers, she agreed two out of five, (laughs) at least of the prayer you need to do, and um, she understands why it's important uh, to eat halal food, because halal food is cleaner and stuff, so she has this understanding and concept, but what she hasn't uh, given is her whole heart into Islam. Maybe because she thinks she still has this lens over her, thinking that you know it's it's a Middle Eastern religion and it's not the same culture as us. How can we embrace a religion that is so different from us? You know, they kind of thinking. So, um, and you see on TV, right? People with beards means they are Muslim or something, or people people who look Arab, they are they are Muslims, right? But if you start People like that, when they start seeing their own race or their own country or people doing the same thing, then they start to think, yeah, maybe it's true, you know? So I think the media plays a very important part in showing a more balanced view um, instead of something that's polarizing. Yeah. But <laughs> can only pray to Allah and ask for Hidayah to be given to her. Yeah. I mean, inshallah, bro.
0: Inshallah i don't want to steal all the questions because i know that the other two might have some questions so do you guys have anything to say or should yeah. i go on
2: rami's been a little
3: quiet yeah honestly <laughs> i've just been this is it's usually we have a really great guest on mashallah I, I just sit and i reflect and i think about you know what they're saying um and uh when i get in that mode i get really quiet but subhanallah like the story really strikes me especially when it comes to your parents and what you just spoke about subhanallah uh one thing, one, one piece of advice or at least one reminder I want to give is, is it's it's really important to one look at them as Hamza Zors said when he came on, look at them as like a blank canvas, right? Even if if you have to stop seeing them as mom and dad for a second, just look at you know who they are, what they stand for, what they believe, their personality. Just look at them as a blank canvas and kind of build off of that. And also come to, to common terms with what you can. So, for example, if your mom doesn't want to give up culture, then tell her she doesn't necessarily have to give up culture, right? She still has her culture, her background, her upbringing. It's just taking the true pure belief and, and applying it to where it's to be applied. Like, for example, if, if she believed in some scientific theories, is that going to come and ruin her culture? No, not necessarily. So if you believe in one God and, and this religion, there may be some things where it's like, okay, this is not allowed. And you remove that from the culture but altogether, if you look at the holistic picture, you don't really have to give up, you know, who you are. It's not like you're going to be an Arab, like trans, trans, uh, ethnic Arab or something all of a sudden. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, in, in regards to everything else, bro, subhanAllah, the stories, is it's so touching, mashallah. May Allah bless you for sharing it with us and, and for your YouTube and, and bless you and your family. Bro, what you said about having, a, a, you know, a son and being a father, I'm not a father yet, man, but I thought about it a lot. And that just brought like a whole new perspective. Subhanallah, which is probably why I'm so <laughs> deep
1: in thought. But mashallah. about laying yeah. the ropes, Yeah, laying the ropes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I that's the why they said, product. you know, but being an imam in the family. Yeah, something like like you're the 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 guy who lays the ropes, even for your wife to join you in Jannah. So that's one of the the thing that like, the guy told me, and like, wow. That's the role of a father. So that's why Allah puts you up in a different, kind of like a father status, right? Um, so it's always good for a Muslim to get married, to be a father and to you know, to play that role. It, it gives you a greater insight into, you know, the mercy of Allah. Yeah, because when the father prays or a mother prays, you know, Allah listens to to what he pleases to Allah. He asks for help and stuff, right? Um, and you're right brother you, you mentioned because uh, I, I was just responding to that um, you're right to say that um, you can still do the culture and stuff but the only issue is because what you see around you like your friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is maybe might, might sound like a bit weird <laughs> because in, 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 in Singapore at least right? when we see somebody with a hijab on they start to recognize it as a particular race of people wearing the hijab you know so they think it's all Malays that are wearing the hijab. When actually you have Chinese also wearing the hijab. So they couldn't see past that and then think that it's a Malay religion.
0: <laughs> you
1: know? so, mm. so what happened is it's also reinforced by, by the media or even from religious bodies themselves that say Malay Muslim, they like to add the their ethnicity with the, the religion. And and that creates an image in a person's mind, thinking that, yeah. you know, you must be a Malay then you can be a Muslim, something like that, you know. Oh, so, know. so 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 the challenge is for us doing Dawah is to to break that, um, the perception to see that it's yeah. universal religion, and to also see that it's possible to still keep certain parts of a culture as long as it doesn't go against the religion, yeah. um, you can do that. And sometimes people don't listen to logic. I realize. And so when you recite our fatiha or you recite some part of the Quran and you explain those verses to them in their language, they are more likely to, you know, submit. Like my mom, she started crying after I recited Fatiha. You should watch that video. Yeah. She's I mean like she had a bit of tears and said, I've never heard you pray to me before. I said well Nobody prays in front of you mom <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know People pray in secret People don't really You know come up to you Mom I'm going to pray to you now But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean maybe Maybe in church last time I don't know But um, It's most It's sweeter to, to do it in secret right So But I told her that um, Because there's healing Qualities in the prayer When you listen to this You feel like As if Just close your eyes And just immerse yourself In the experience of listening To the very big words That are recited. So when I did the Fatiha for her, it was an experience more than, than telling what is right or wrong. And the experience was what gave her, you know, uh, tears in her eyes or you know a humble heart after that. So she was more calm after you recite. Something something to take uh, home with you, I think. Oh, Man,
0: that's something I learned in my adult life at least that you know you don't always need that perfect philosophical argument or religious argument. To uh, put someone in their place or challenge them or debate them, you know, where everyone is just someone walking around that needs to be refuted, right? It's almost like leading by example first and also then following up with just guiding them and showing them the beauty of Islam. And oftentimes it's, it's, it's better to say little and mean more than to just say too much, you know? Okay. Yeah. So my next question would be being a Muslim for the last seven-ish years for you, seven, eight years, what advice would you have? Because as, as we try to be good men in, and uh, lead people by example, we realize that it's better that we can guide people to not make the mistakes that we have, right? Just because, you know, it's, it's kind of like what you would do for your son. You wouldn't want him going through the same mistakes that you had to go through, through trial and error. So yes. if you had someone that's a new revert and they just became Muslim today, they just embraced Islam today, they're probably like, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of life changes we have to do. What plan would you give them? You know?
1: Mm. I think that's a great question. In fact, I think um what I do is okay, this is what it one of the things that it taught us in the army is to be a thinking soldier. <laughs> so we always ask questions, but I think they regretted that because now I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, okay, um always have a reason or like an understanding to back up what you say. Um, that is going to help your child to grow spiritually or intellectually as well. Um, that's why it's so important for us to seek knowledge. So as Muslims, seek the right knowledge as well. Uh, seek the right knowledge and to increase yourself in knowledge so that when your, your children ask you a question, you have many ways of answering them um, in the way that they would listen. Um, so f- for me, I was inquisitive. I needed a lot of answers. And a part of me also needed action. So I need to see a person performing the example for me. Um, so so you have to live by the Quran, right? That's <laughs> why so the Quran has the Hadith and all that. We need to follow it closely. So our children, when they observe, children observe most of the time and they copy and they follow, they mimic. That's their way of showing love, right? Right. So that's why the first thing you teach a child is when you, you pray, you just ask him to sit beside you and just watch you first. And then eventually they, they learn to pray. Um, also, you know, get your family together to pray because it will help you to build a stronger bond with your wife and children. And, you know, it's really hard to get angry with someone after you pray, right? Or even before you pray, after you take a wudu, uh, it's, it's so hard to feel angry after that because it's supposed to feel calm. Don't take it like a process. Uh, don't take it like a uh, emotion that you just have to do, but always have this inner side of you know thinking, you know, why am I doing this? And the purpose of doing this is to get closer to Allah, to purify my thoughts, you know, something like that. Instead of, oh, I need to take it this way. Sometimes as Muslims, I think what I found out is we focus so much on the technicalities, the the little details, what's halal and what's haram and what's <laughs> all those little things that we forgot the big picture. We have become so microscopic that we don't see the big picture. And when we lose the big picture, that's the problem because we can't guide people if we lose the big picture. People see the big picture as a vision towards Islam. And when we start to focus on little things, we can't impart that knowledge across. So what I would say is always have both view. The microscopic one is to guide the little things but the biggest view, like the open view, you should have also as a Muslim. And the only way to have that is to increase your knowledge and to look for different teachers also, you know, not just one teacher to guide you. In fact, yeah, most importantly, the guiding star should be the Quran and the Hadith and, of course, your, your, the teachers that you look for. Yeah, that's all I can say
0: alhamdulillah and have you undergone any type of like education after that like when you recited those uh, those uh, ayat your uh, tajweed was very good mashallah so do you have any uh, education that you went through or was it mainly like kind of self taught
1: uh, yeah so um, for the ugama part part of uh, gaining knowledge i i had a teacher that you know the guy who who helped me with shahada he also have classes so i started to go for his classes because i wanted to learn more about islam so he shared about the stories of the prophets, and the four caliphs, and so on and so forth. So uh, that's where I got uh, basic knowledge on Islam. Um, regarding Tajweed, uh, my my family, in my in-laws, they have uh, an Indonesian ustaza who actually guides the family in you know reciting the Quran. So uh, I tag along and join them during the classes. Um, strange thing, this is a, this is a miracle because. She only speaks Bahasa Indonesian and a bit of English, and you know, I'm Chinese, right? In ethnicity, not from China, Singapore. <laughs> so some people get confused. Um, the ethnicity is Chinese, um, and I speak English and very little Malay, which is the 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 native language of my wife. <laughs> so, so technically, we can't really communicate me and this taza. But she, she just keep repeating the, the Quran in Arabic and Bahasa Indo. And after a while, I picked it up. It's strange that I could pick up two languages at the same time. Like I was picking up a bit of Indonesian and, and uh, Arabic. Yeah. But oh. I, I guess, of course, I was really interested to really learn the Quran. I, I have this goal in life to really hopefully memorize the whole Quran um on to recite it over and over again because it's just so healing to the heart, right? So so it, it was it was also that you know initial fire in me that wanted to do that that I was pursuing it so much. I would download Muslim Pro, I would you know get the books and stuff. So I guess that's how I progressed in, in reciting the Quran. Um, and yeah. How many ayahs do you know? yes um,
2: surahs, surahs. I mean, yeah, I know surah's my bad.
1: about uh, twelve, maybe thirteen. Yeah. MashaAllah Allah. MashaAllah But it started from the the shortest one, so Surah Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and all the way up. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But the, the 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 longest Surah that you now they uh, my staza taught me was uh, Surah Al Mulk, and. After I memorized Muluk, I was like, every night now, it's my my child's lullaby. I try to to recite that to, for him to sleep. And it works, man. Works, It works. And you should try. <laughs> MashaAllah. MashaAllah. MashaAllah.
3: That's beautiful. And I'm pretty sure we're supposed to recite Surah Muluk before you fall asleep. Like there's a hadith of mm-hmm. the Prophet specifying that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I believe it was Surah Muluk, Surah Al-Nas, Surah Falak, and Surah Khlas, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure, there
3: are also ayatul kursi. Yeah. Ayat
1: yeah.
0: Alhamdulillah. All right. Ash- any uh any questions for you for us? You know, let us know. Um,
1: I am I'm, I'm very happy that you know you have this podcast going and you have a band of brothers here, you know, trying to share Islam with the world. I I hope there are many of such people out there as well doing it. Um, we live in a time where you know digital is at our age right we have we have this digital landscape platform ready for us to share things and um, what better way to to spread you know the the beauty of islam now that it's easily available to everyone and i think we should not miss this opportunity um, given you know the digital landscape Um, having said that of course not to forget also the old ways of learning even though we have a digital landscape sometimes the old things to work better. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm am I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, old stuff too. <laughs> um and um I really hope inshallah to meet y- all of you, even in person. When this whole pandemic is over, I can we can meet somewhere centralized or something. <laughs> inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah. Most importantly yeah. to meet all of you so in, in Janet for the Dells. Right. 100%. That's our main goal. Yeah. Amin.
0: <sighs> Very touching episode. Very touching episode. Really packed. Mashallah.
1: mashallah. I'm happy, okay, you guys. Any more questions? Just ask. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. No worries, yeah. guys. If you made it this far, comment down below. Hashtag bring Firdos back, and inshallah, you will see him in the future. With that being said, also check the link in the description box for his channel. Go Over and subscribe to his channel, watch his videos, he posts content regularly, and inshallah, we will see him again.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah Rab. with that being said, Jazakallah Khair for an amazing episode and an amazing story. May Allah bless you immensely. And we look to, we hope to have you back, inshallah, soon. With that being said, Allahumma atina fil dunya hasana, wafil fil akhirati hasana, wa kina adab and nor. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.